Yeah, we can talk about how Matt was lame and didn't join us because he had obligations. He's lame. Yeah. Also, Matt, just just so you're aware, I don't care if you fix it or not, but your voice is all robotic again. I got nothing for you. Sorry, I'm already recording, so you're stuck with it. It's going to sound good on my side, so there's that. Imagine that intro music plays because I only have one input now on my computer. I can't plug in my iPad. That's not the right music at all, but whatever. That's pretty close. You need to get uh, you need to get a uh, whatcha who's it, Caleb. You need to get an interface. Welcome to the Barely Saved Podcast, where we have the discussions real Christians don't have. Here's your hosts. I'm Michaela. I'm Recorso. I am birthday cake Hershey Kisses. <gasps> Speaking of Hershey's Kisses, does everybody have their Hershey's Kisses? Oh, mine are at home. We'll have to wait till I get home. <sighs> Sorry. I sent her with a bag of Hershey's Kisses in her luggage when we left Florida. And they did not melt, which was really happy. So she has the Hershey's Kisses. But she is at her office today. Podcast audience, we are so close. So close. As long as her dog or child doesn't find them, uh, we will be able to do that. Real talk, mine are in the kitchen still. Mm -hmm. In sealed bags. And three days ago, my daughter said, Dad, what are you going to do something with those? (laughs) (sighs) I said, hopefully soon, my child, hopefully soon. And I thought, you know, it would be soon, but uh, here we are. Oh, man, I'm so tired, you guys. Jet lag is real. Jet lag is made up by weak people. Oh, bite me. But uh, now it's time for a new segment of the podcast called Storytime with Caleb, where Caleb explains why he has damaged his technology and is now recording with subpar technology. Insert transition music here so caleb where were you this week yeah we went to general council in florida this week in florida yes in florida caleb and i actually got to meet in person we did i got to hug his neck yes we got to meet in person although hug his neck is like a weird phrase anyways it is such a weird (laughs) phrase that people say but i know that they say it so it's not like rebecca's weird the phrase is weird and i'm just like okay here we are i need to tell you the story of this car that i took to florida though oh yes what car is this for this so it's my brother's volkswagen jetta which is a Uh, fine car it's a good car uh yeah uh, the sunroof hadn't been sealed in it is it a diesel jetta no so the sunroof hadn't been sealed in it for a while And so there was like mold and stuff growing in the back of the car, which was disgusting, as it does. As it does, yeah. Before I could go on the trip, I had to clean out the whole car, shampoo all of the carpets, make sure that there's no mold or anything because, you know, people's health and safety. Well, and and a part of that is making sure that you get all the moisture out, right? Because you don't want the mold to regrow. Right, right. Right? So you, you you seal the sunroof, you get all the moisture out. You did great work. We're real proud of you. Yeah, yeah. So I did all of that. Took it to Florida. Was going great Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The air conditioner stops working. And so. Oh, in Florida. 
in August. Do you, do you guys know what air conditioner was actually invented to do? Remove moisture from an environment. Yeah, remove moisture from an environment. Most people just think it's to cool down, but it's actually to remove moisture from the environment, which in Florida... It's kind of nice because it rains every day. Which is going to create a whole new irony to this story. Is it? Why is that? So Thursday, Friday, um, we go back for the last night of general council, um, which was fun. Uh, I dropped off Rebecca and Emily to go do other things while I went to Starbucks. Came back because I had had my windows rolled down the whole way. Uh, Rolled up my windows or thought I had rolled up my windows and um, went inside. This seems like foreshadowing. Yes. If we hadn't foreshadowed before this, um, we have now. So after the service, which was a good service, but right at the front of it, which was the less good part, um, it started to thunderstorm right as Mike Pompeo came on the stage. We'll, We'll talk about that later. As it does in Florida. And when you have politicians coming on the main stage of it. Yeah. So it's weird how the God of uh, war and thunder continues to uh, exist that way. So it's, of course, still raining when when it's time for us to leave. Um, And I walk to my car and I find that uh, first off, my car is parked next to a giant puddle of water, which is fun. But I also discovered that the uh, windows in my car were uh, not fully rolled up. Oh, no. And so it had rained uh, considerably. Oh, it rained. Oh, yeah. The thunderstorm just happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all of the seats were wet. Pretty much every surface inside of the car was wet. Um, Not just wet. There were puddles. Yeah, there were puddles of water in on the floorboard of the car. Yes. So wait, was the puddle outside really just a foretaste of what was going to be inside? Oh, no, no, no. That's that's an important uh, thing that happened there. So I opened up the doors, the other sides where the puddles weren't at, and I scooped out all of the water off of the other people's seats. Um, so that way, you know, they don't sit in literally a puddle just on a soaking wet seat. And then I walk back around to my door, but I don't want to step in this puddle because I'm wearing flip flops and this water is gross and I want to step over the top of it. Yeah, I mean, it's Florida water. If Florida man is in the indication of how Florida water is, you avoid it. Right. And so I... uh go to step, you know, about two feet further away from the door than I normally do. And I just step into my car. And while I'm stepping into my car after uh, scooping all the water out, I rip my brand new pants that I had only worn that day because I had bought them for general counsel. That's first off. Let's just let's just clap. Let's let's have a round of applause. Okay. Insert sound here. Second, what's the moral of the story? I think I think the three things here. Okay. Three things. We got three morals. Go on. Check your air conditioning before you go on a trip. Okay. The second thing, always check to make sure your windows are rolled up in Florida. Okay. And then the third thing is don't buy special pants for an event or new pants. Like just only only wear old pants. I think that might be the thing that you that is the biggest takeaway from this. Uh, no, because I had to then like shampoo out the car again, all of the carpets and things um, afterwards. And so... I would rather sacrifice the pants and make sure that the windows are rolled up. Yeah, I don't know. I think the pants are the biggest part of the story. I mean, financially, yes. Except that inside of there was also my uh, Zoom H4N, which um, is now not working as an audio interface. A a brick H4N? Yes. It's a nice brick. I will be buying a new audio interface, um, hopefully, before we record next time. Okay, so we went to the zoo. Uh, when we were at General Council, we were in Florida, 
this week in case that wasn't already clear. Um, and listeners, you will be happy to know that we got not super up close and personal, but kind of up close and personal with none other than Brody the bear. So when you were there, yes, I have questions. We have responses. Was it clear that this was Brody? Yes, they have two bears and their face markings are very different. We could tell it was Brody. Okay, so that's question one. Appreciate that. Number two, did anyone else know who Brody the bear was at the Brevard Zoo? Yes. Every one of the workers knew when we said that we do a podcast and we we're going to see Brody. Everybody knew exactly that Brody was a black bear. Of course. But do any of the did any of the guests not did anyone like was the significance of Brody clear to those in attendance or was this a minority report as it were? Definitely a minority report. I'm pretty sure that nobody else cared that much about seeing the black bear. Did you guys have your barely saved bears shirts on? No, we don't have a Barely Saved Bears shirt. Yeah, we do. We have the Barely Saved podcast. It's a bear. But we don't have a Barely Saved Bears one. It's a Barely Saved shirt with a bear. But it doesn't say like Barely Saved Bears like our group name. Okay, but you know what I mean. I did not know what I mean. Oh, I know that you didn't because you don't know all the merch on the website. It's this mug, but on a shirt. Hey, hey, excuse me. I just bought a bunch of merch from the website, so... I know. Bark you. And you went to go see a bear and didn't get the Barely Saved Bears shirts. I don't remember what shirt I had on that day, Matt. I might have, but I don't think I did. Like, this this was... Here's here's the, the, the marketing director in me. Says, this was the moment. We are the Barely Saved podcast going to see the bear that kind of, like pushed us into the barely saved podcast world like and you didn't wear the shirt to advertise like i'm just i'm i'm not mad i'm just disappointed i mean i was definitely wearing one of our merch shirts i just don't remember which one so matt you know how to solve that problem next time show up be in the room yeah to where we're all going i don't want to go to florida It wasn't about going to Florida. It was about being with us. No, it's about going to Florida. Florida is the only Gulf state that I haven't been to, and I plan to keep it that way for as long as possible. Florida is the place where humans try to eat other people's faces. It's not entirely untrue. See? I'm just making the wise decisions. You guys staying in hotels. We stayed at an Airbnb. It was a joke. It was a bad joke. If you listen... You didn't listen to the podcast last week, so you didn't get the joke. I haven't listened to it yet. You're right. I got the joke. I'm just saying we we did stay at an Airbnb. Y'all y'all made the wise choice and stayed at Airbnbs. We did. That it that didn't give us washcloths. <gasps> Matt. <gasps> Caleb. Caleb, did you do it? Yes, I was wearing the barely saved shirt. See? That's wise. I'm I'm surprised no one asked you. With the black bear on your shirt as you're holding the recorder out. To the the blight bear asking him questions. No one asked you any questions about that. I'm, I'm a little shocked. I mean, I definitely talked to some of the workers there and volunteers. It's like, yeah, no, we do a podcast. And we've been tracking Brody's story. They have a lot of volunteers. It's really cool. But it was a good... We, we got to see Greg the giraffe um, and Nine. I almost got to touch. It, he was like, he was so close. We didn't get to feed him like I wanted to, but that's okay. I fed deer instead. They did feed deer. Like I was looking at this white-tailed deer. I was like, that is a fat deer. and But it will eat all the food out of people's hands. <laughs> it was a really fat deer. <laughs> Deer's, deer's, ready to, deer's ready to get ate. He's like, 
he's ready for the table. Like he's as fat as any cow that I would want to eat. So he was a very cute deer. She actually. Yes. We went kayaking through, uh, through the zoo, which if you've never been kayaking in a zoo, um, it's very slow and apparently difficult to not run into things for some people. Um, Caleb. To be clear, we were not the ones who got stuck the most. Emily and Anna definitely. They kept running into things. And my favorite, I mean, besides seeing Brody, but um, I this zoo has um, had arapaima. And dear listeners, if you do not know what arapaima are. Apparently, it's a fish that Rebecca is obsessed with. It's a big fish. I'm not obsessed with it, but they're beautiful and they're fascinating. She is obsessed with it. They're one of my favorites that uh, they live in the Amazon. They have this like an armored head and they will leap out of the water and like smash you with it. Um, And they're just uh, like, there's an episode of River Monsters that Jeremy Wade um, catches Arapaima and he actually got hit in the chest by one um, at one point when he would, they were trying to um, like at a reserve or at a zoo, they were trying to move them from one place to another and he got hit in the chest. And like, that's a good way to, you know, hurt. Um, Until we went to the zoo, I wouldn't have said that you were obsessed with them, Rebecca. But after uh, you were just sitting there (laughs) staring at them and we were able to walk off, look at the rest of the zoo and go to the gift shop without you noticing because you were looking at these two fish in the tank. I noticed. Yeah, but you didn't do anything about it. So the fact that you were able just to sit there... With the Looking at the two arapaima as we were all like, okay, we need to leave because it's about to rain. Um, so that fact, I'm going to say obsessed. It was not just the arapaima that I was looking at. There were also Paku in there, which have their own fascinating um, story and River Monsters episode. Um, yes, but I'm, I'm going to say that obsessed is the proper word here. That's fine. I was just really excited because I've never, like arapaima are rare to have in captivity. Um, and so for this zoo, um, which is not even like an aquarium to have arapaima was, was super exciting. And they're just, there was something, and there's something really cool about being that close to such a big fish. Like podcast listeners. I just want to double down and make sure that you all know it's okay to be obsessed with things. One and two, Rachel is obsessed with the arapaima. And I knew this before there was one at a zoo. So before there was one of the zoo we didn't even like talk about it before that no that's not true you definitely have uh because we've had enough conversations about river monsters that i know number one you like river monsters and number two anyone who likes river monsters enough to talk about it with people it's gonna have some sort of fascination with the arapaima the fish that jerry jeremy mentions at least every three episodes not every three episodes I don't know. I've never watched River Monsters, so I can't make that judgment. The reason why they're ingrained in my brain, too, is because when I was teaching geography during uh, when it would work for with the content and we would do cultural geography, I would I used the episode of the Arapaima because the 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 myth that surrounds the fish in the indigenous people of the Amazon is super fascinating. And so. I used it to study the culture. So she's so obsessed with Arapaima that she used to play it in that episode in public schools. Okay, because it worked. She's She is CRTing people in our public schools with Arapaima. Wait, what? Uh, Matt, that's okay. You heard me. That doesn't even make any sense. 
That's not how this works. I don't know. Sounds fishy. Okay. So is this going to be now story time with Rebecca? Yes. Wait, is this non-podcast story time with Rebecca? It can still be on the podcast. I don't care. Okay. I don't. I just don't know. So uh, at the under 40 reception, so if you aren't familiar with general counsel, there's receptions in the evening and one of them is under 40, which... Dear listener, I think we should like take a step back. We should probably explain what general counsel is. Well, not only that, the hardest part of general counsel is the lunches and the receptions because they sell themselves as really nice things to do. And they are. But man, there's nothing quite like getting out of a session and then having to beeline it to a lunch because they booked it so close. And then the lunch going long and having to beeline it back to a business session because you want to get registered. And if you're not there on time, you cannot register your device. And I understand it, but my goodness, it sucks. I mean, so a couple things. Matt. One, they scheduled the things a little bit better, so you actually had time. Yeah, they did. And the second thing is the device situation was much better. The system for like getting a hold of them was improved because they just did it by sections. Okay, so what happened was... What happened was... So we're at the U40 reception, and... Um... I, there are a couple. There are a couple side stories to this, but I'll just stick with the one. Um, I ended up meeting a gentleman who was actually from my network. He's from Washington State. He's in ministry on the west side of our state, um, and he started making a comment um, about like uh, how I needed to keep the liberals out of Western or Eastern Washington. Like I needed to, you know. Uh, you know, good for you. You're in the East side, you know, stay there. Don't, don't let the liberalism invade your, invade your side. And I was like, well, and I just said, you know, Hey, you know, the East side's got its own issues on the other side of the spectrum. You know, when you're just told that you can't, uh, it can't be a minister or a woman can't be pastors or whatever. So this gentleman then decides that that is a great opening for him to tell me that he does not hold to egalitarian ministerial roles and that like at the at the reception at the reception in this conversation with a woman pastor who he's just met is it the person i think it is caleb no and he's not even on facebook that i could find so he decides to to to, to tell me this which is you know odd flex as you're talking to a female pastor right then wait what did you just say odd flex haven't you heard that phrase no weird flex oh weird flex (laughs) okay so i did it wrong um shocking odd flex but okay (laughs) i'm gonna start saying that let's see if we can get that one going so so he starts kind of but i was like oh well you realize then you're you know you're out of alignment with ag our positions like you're you're not lined up he was like he's like yeah but not until recently what a dummy. Not until 1991, but okay. Ordaining women and at least been, you know, ordaining women to ministry of some sort for years. Um, and so he started pushing about, give me biblical evidence. Um, and so I brought up, I, I, I just went back to creation. Well, then something happened that was just a really great moment. Oh, 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 the clincher here was he said, you know, I believe that women are only called because men haven't stepped up to lead and i was like you're about to get throat punched um i did not throw punch him well but, that's uh, just sad 
we started, so he started kind of trying to, um, he asked me my, you know, scripture back references. I went back to creation. I gave, I started to list off women in the old Testament without getting the new Testament. I was then interrupted, which was great, but it was, it was by a guy who was trying to get into the U40 group and, um, Zach sent him to me. Was Zach there? Yes. Matt, there were so many OG U40ers in there. It was fantastic. You would have never been able to tell that it was under 40. It's so, again, again, the thing is, this can't make the podcast. No one checked the tickets, of course, because no one checks the tickets at those receptions because it's a joke. And so anybody that wants to go can go. I wish I wish that I would have gone to that. I, I've, I said this before, and I wish that I could have flown down just to go to the the euphoria reception i couldn't have because of timing stuff but matt i don't know why that can't be in the podcast because i was gonna say the same thing later because i don't want it to change i don't think anybody listens closely enough matt to you know that would care enough to change that but anyway so um this this guy comes up who um shout out to jonathan um and so he he's like i hear you're the chick from kitty toss because he was zach was trying to help people pronounce my city's name throughout the entire um he comes up and he kind of broke the broke the ice he had no idea what was going on between me and this guy because i was i was getting a little irritated and uh so then he stopped and uh i i said hey yeah one second let me just finish this conversation really quick so i turned back and said you know what i'm not going to continue to have this conversation with you because frankly it's not great uh, for, for my mental health to be having this conversation with you your uh, uh because you, not only is your position wrong, but it's also super offensive and hurtful to the women in our fellowship who are called to ministry. And I don't mind having these conversations. I wouldn't even mind having it with you at a different time, but I'm not going to have it right now. So, and he tried to interrupt me multiple times. And I was like, nope, we are not talking about it anymore. I'm done. That's that's what's so confusing. It's I mean, the conversation is a good one to have, right? The conversation is needed. Uh, I, I'm down to have those conversations. But like... At the U40 reception, surrounded by female ministers? Right, yeah. With a stranger? How about you read the room? Rebecca didn't tell us about it till uh, till the guy was leaving, because you've got me and Mike both in there. Like, we could have had the conversation. It would have been life-giving to have the conversation. And she's just like, withhold information. But then it would have been like I was sicking you on you guys on him. And... I would have, like, in a hand... I would have been like, gentlemen... Come handle my light work. This moderator has more important things to do. La di da. She's not a moderator. She's an admin. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. This admin has better things to do. See you later, toodles. The poor guy who just wanted to join the under forty group on Facebook and was told that I was the woman for the job is standing there going like, "Oh snap! What did I just walk in on?" He's like, "I'm so sorry. I didn't realize what was going on." I was like, "No, I'm sorry. You had to, you know." I said, "I just needed to deal with that." And he goes. For what it's worth, I think you're totally right. And I'm really sorry that you had to <laughs> do that. I was like, thanks. I appreciate it. Here, let's get you into U40. I like you. Um, so, yeah, it was a weird thing. Um, on the one hand, it would have been really fun to just like sick everybody on him. But on the other hand, I don't think he would have really like learned from it at that point. So let's talk about the resolution that didn't happen at our general council. So if you're not uh, familiar, if you're, let's say you're a listener and you're just not in the AG world, which uh, thanks for being here. Number one, number two, general council is, is the biannual meeting or biennial meeting meeting uh, where 
everyone in the general council, and I use the term everyone very loosely because it's not everyone at all, but multiple people from the general council come together and they vote on different things, resolutions, um, elections, the various just businessy things that get accomplished. They send out the list of resolutions usually beforehand. Sometimes there's some that come up right before and they'll give you a supplement and we vote on those resolutions as a body to represent the people, right? Any confusion there? Okay, good. So all the resolutions, I guess, passed that were presented, which is not normal. That's not the case, Matt. Not all the resolutions passed. I said almost all the resolutions passed that were presented, which is not normal. Like, usually you get like two or three. Most of the resolutions were like things that already changed and just updating the bylaws. Well, like Teen Challenge name changed. So that passed, right? Like, etc. So the one that didn't pass. Yes. Was resolution number dose submitted by the North Texas District of the Assemblies of God. Which is fascinating. The, the number of churches in the North Texas District is astounding. Yes. Uh, if you're not aware, they have they are by far the largest district in the nation. Uh, and it's not it's not even close. Like it's just not even close. And so they, they wield a lot of power, which is even more confusing that this didn't pass. It was in Florida. Wait, right. Like close to them. Mm, it's not that close. It's it's far enough that I think you'd be surprised how many North Texas people were there. Right. But I'm just saying it's not, it's far enough away that they don't have that much of a disproportional wait because everybody else is already flying in they're flying in too not like if we had it in houston that's true but it'd be different if we had it in like you know anaheim right where that's not necessarily a trip that the people in texas are going to take sure florida is a trip they'll take so the the resolution was that oh and the, the governance structure this always got if you're not aware is that we have an executive leadership team it exists of seven people i don't even know and then we also have the uh, so that's the highest. Then we have the executive presbytery, which is the smallest deliberative body, um, and it exists of currently the executive leadership team, the uh, the regional presbyters, a female presbyter, executive presbyter, an under forty executive presbyter, and a black executive presbyter. Correct. Uh, African. There's the African American, whatever fellowship, and then there's an ethnic fellowship. Okay, so the vote was specifically to add an executive presbyter for churches under 200, whereas the the person voted in was a lead pastor of a church under 200. Yep. So why did it fail? Uh, because churches who are under 200 don't get to go to general council. They don't have the budget. They don't have the funding. They don't have the time off from their bivocational jobs to make a trip to Orlando. I think ultimately, too, um, the same people who like spoke against Resolution 29, whichever was the one that I spoke on about the female of the under 40, is they have a like, we don't want um, executive leadership to be imposing things on us um and so by adding another which is weird because because by adding like an under 200 church representative 
you're actually giving more voice to the districts and the network, but it seems like it has been um, taken as, well, we're, we're expanding our upper leadership and, and that's going to like take on more of our, our upper leadership. So, so I got to listen to a lot of the debate on this one and it really boiled down to two arguments, mm-hmm. right? The first argument was when does it stop? So when do we stop trying to be diverse? We have all these positions. Why do we need another one? So that was number one. Number two, I guess maybe three. The other one falls in number ones, but we'll go with two is um, there's there was a thought that why do we need this position? Are we saying that people in larger churches can't adequately be a voice for those smaller churches. That was a point mentioned and, and contended against. And then finally, there was the point, which I think this is the most problematic, although we could probably talk about all three. The most problematic was, I just think that people should get there on their own merit. And I'd like to attack that one first because the problem is, well, that was the argument more for the resolution 29 versus two. I'm pretty sure. Unless I missed that one. Well, go ahead and talk about what you're talking about, Matt. I mean, I heard someone say that in the, in the, the resolution two discussion, right? That they think that someone, that, that it shouldn't be based on the size of your church. It should be based on merit. And I just want to respond to that person who I know doesn't listen to this podcast, but currently it's based on the size of your church, not merit, right? Like people with big churches are the people who get voted into those positions because the the biggest problem I have with the way we do executive presbytery uh, votes is that is a national vote for a regional position. Yeah. I don't get to vote for who my executive presbyter is. Everyone does. Because the person who represents my area is not the person I would have chosen. And I'm pretty sure that if I had talked to enough people, they would have chosen the other person too that I'm thinking of. Cause there was a, a close vote for that one. And so, so Matt was a bad politician. 100% just failed miserably. It's fine. I did too. Cause I didn't talk to, I didn't talk to enough people before resolution too, too. So, you know, see, and the thing is it, when we get when we vote on these things, people who get voted on get voted on because their name is known and their name is usually known in the assemblies of God because they have a larger church and they have done things because of that platform. So the, the people who say it should be based on merit and not church size, 100 percent agree. The problem is it's currently based on church size and not merit. It needs to get fixed because the people. Yeah, exactly. And as stated by the general counsel ever so poorly, the executive presbytery is a majority not white men, right? For the first time in a long time. And which is great because the majority of a fellowship is not white men. Right. But that change started when we started to add these additional people because now we have a woman who is on the executive presbytery. So it's not odd to vote in another woman on the executive presbytery. We have a black minister on the executive presbytery, so it's not odd to vote in another black or black person who's on the executive presbytery. And so the way that things get changed is by representation. And so anyone who says, well, we don't need that to be represented, they should just get it because they're good enough. 
That's not how it works. Yes, it should work that way. I agree with you. But I'm also a realist and I understand that's not how it works. Yeah. You have to create space for people. People can't just get into those spaces. You have to create space. And once space is created, then it'll more naturally happen. But the first thing that has to happen is it needs to be naturally created. And for those executive presbyter positions, I I wasn't there, so I don't know how this worked this time. But if all we have is the names on the screen and you have to vote for the names on the screen, that's not good enough. Because what is that? We don't. There's no interaction. I don't know these people. The only thing I have to go off of is name recognition. You can see a picture in a book to see if they were female or see if they were colored, but that's still not really great. What we need is some sort of additional. We need some bios from these people to give us an indication on who we should be voting for, because right now it's just name recognition. And I think that that's a problem. Great. I'd like to see a couple paragraphs written up about each of them if we're going to maintain the same governance structure. And they can write their own paragraphs. Right. And for the record, Resolution 29 that Rebecca was um, mentioning earlier was for the general counsel to recommend to the districts that they would have um, one person of um, ethnicity, one ordained minister under the age of 40, and an ordained female minister um, as their representatives. So that way, you know, people who are not normally in positions of power have a different life experience can be speaking into these things. And I want to say like, um, you know, someone mentioned the argument was that a person in a church of 1500 at one time spent time in a church of under 200. And therefore like, because they've done that, they should be able to represent those churches in the executive presbytery meetings. And I understand that idea. But I completely disagree with it because small church ministry is complete is on always changing, right? What you're doing is it's rotating so fast. And we currently do have two, two general councils, right? We have a general council of a church of churches over 200, which is a very small percentage, like 14%. And we have a general council of churches under 200, which is 86%. And that group has no representation on the executive presbytery. And someone said, well, it's not a representation body. And it might not be. It might just be a guiding body. But even then, you should want those people even more in those spaces. Well, and I would argue, too, like, okay, for example, my uh, my little brother has the, the church that they grew up going to was a mega church in Puyallup. And then he maybe attended... I think I think Christ the King Church in Bellingham is would, would also be considered like it's an over 200 church, and now he's completed the three year program and is um, and and works with Bethel down in Reading. So like he's never been a part of a small church. So to say that someone who's a representative as a pastor of a large church was at some point the pastor at a under 200 church is is false like that's not that's not how it works necessarily it's a great idea but not accurate right there's people who have inherited churches who were on the ticket for the ep positions that have never been in a small church because their father was a pastor of a mega church and now they're a pastor of the same mega church like 
you 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 don't know what small church ministry is because you've only done mega church ministry. And that's not to say that mega church ministry is entirely invalid or anything like that, but it's simply not the same. It's it's a great thing. We we need mega church ministries because they can be beneficial for people, right? But we also need to recognize that the average church is under 100 people. And so if we're going to accurately we've we've talked about this on the podcast, all the resources that you get when you go to one of these events is for a church of more than 200 people. Mm-hmm. You can't necessarily apply the things that they're talking about for your church or they're talking about church planning or right. It's, it's really hard to take what they're using and apply to your church and they want to have a conference so that you can apply these things to your church. Well, that just doesn't work because you're you're thinking over here and then there's the whole thing, well you got to break the 200 barrier. Maybe you don't. Like maybe we just need churches that are yeah, 175 people and and that's okay and we go build another church down the road if we start in there because the culture changes after you get to 200. It's it's a phenomenon because you lose intimacy with the pastor. And basically what we're saying is we don't want pastors to know people. Or we don't want the pastor to be known. Well, if we want pastors to know people, Matt, we want pastors to know their leadership team. Right. And and I, that's that works in some scenarios, but some pastors are not equipped for that. Mm-hmm. And we need to stop acting like they are, and we need to figure out how to equip them to grow their church to the point where they can start sending people out. If we really want to do church planting, we need to stop talking about breaking the 200 barrier and start talking about how to use the resources of that church to continue a ministry somewhere else. But we don't actually want to do that. That's just what we talk about. And now it's time for our tweet of the week. Rachel, have you seen this one? I don't know. I th- I sent it to the group. I don't even have to watch it again. I'm upset. I know what it is. Did you watch it already? Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it. Well, that doesn't work. I've got it. You want me to? You want the sound to exist in the podcast? I can. Yeah, we need the sound to exist in the podcast sphere. I can make it happen. Just imagine that it's happening and there, play it on your own and it'll have happened. I believe this is God's work. And there's a wonderful scripture about the a security wonderful of scripture. elections that I want to want to read. And that maybe some of us may have never heard before. It's second maybe you've never heard 10. it before. Brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. I love that scripture because this is what our watchers do. I like how she says it in such a way that's like, like she's like, she's bringing something brand new. She's got this new wisdom. Right. She's got this new revelation from God. It's real bad. It's what our watchers do. We make sure that our election is sure. It's biblical. Right. Okay, so we I want to I want to go back just because I think it's important. Uh I'd like to read it. And you know what? We're just going to do this thing. It's going to be crazy talk, but we're going to read it in context. Is that is that all right with everyone? I mean, I I don't know why you need to because obviously it's it's we just so obviously talking about American elections that uh the, we don't need context. So we're going to start from verse three because Caleb is wrong. 
His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Okay. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I just want to pause here and say that this is sounding 100% like Republican talking points. Uh, Continue. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge. We've lost the Republican talking points. And to knowledge, self-control. We're even farther away. And to self-control, perseverance. Ooh, that's getting close. And to perseverance. Perseverance and not wearing a mask. Perseverance, godliness. And now we're completely outside of Republican talking points. And to godliness, mutual affections. Now we're even further. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. That that and there at the at the beginning of verse 11 seems important to the conjunction. And we already know that Mike doesn't know what they are, but everyone here does, so we're good to go. It was so bad. And I still it makes me laugh every time. It see, it doesn't make me laugh, Matt. It it makes me sad, but it's okay that you're at a point where you can laugh at it. Yeah. I don't know if I can laugh at it. It's so bad. So I can't. What is she even talking? They're talking about election security in Texas. Okay. Well, we all know. So she is. She is. She has Googled elections and found a verse that uses the word. The next person that got up, the next person that got up said, "Because uh, she was the original." So the the tweet that you have in front of you, if you have it in front of you, is not the original tweet. Uh, someone else posted it. If you go to Emily's page, you can actually see that she uh, she posted it from uh, somewhere else and that her next thing was saying, yeah, this ain't it. All right, phone call. I'll be right back. I just want to say that and there it still sounds like the Republican talking points. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know. That whole thing, I could definitely read it through a lens of nationalism. Well, yeah. You can read anything through a lens of nationalism if you want to, which is clear based off of that tweet. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. It hurts. The whole thing. It's just bad. Let's just all watch Matt talk on the phone. That's really fun. I mean, he, he muted himself this time, so we don't even know what all he said. I know. That's not fun. I know. And I turned down the volume on my, uh, my microphone so uh my audition didn't pick it up either so oh good oh that's no fun i appreciate that because i don't need to know what you're actually saying on your phone calls i really enjoyed the introduction of last week's uh podcast i just want to to listen to it you do it's really good and the introduction's hilarious i don't know i will re-listen to it at some point this week probably if i remember to yeah, Rebecca, you should make sure that you have time to really listen to it at some point. Well, she has to listen to it the first time. No, I mean, multiple people have said that they need to re-listen to it. Caleb's not the first one. Well, I'm 
I, I feel like if I would have not listened to it at three times speed at night when I was tired, I could have done it with one time through. That's fair. All right. What do we got here? I got to go soon because I got to take kids places. All right. So um, still talking about general counsel because, you know, that's what literally absorbed our lives the last week because, well, everybody but Matt was there. Well, I mean, not everybody. And everything that we did for a week was surrounding general counsel. Let's be clear. The best part of general general counsel was hanging out with everybody, not going to the sessions. But there are important things to talk about in the sessions, too. Well, obviously. Well, there are important things that we talk about in the sessions, but that we were talking about before and after them as part of general counsel. So. Man, this this press release is something. Not great. Just remember, they told us not to say things until after they had released them. Oh, no, this is PR. So the last night, um, and if you're wondering the timeline um, of when this happened, um, Mike Pompeo came to um, the stage of general counsel to talk about chaplaincy. And while he walked out onto the stage, chaplaincy, the chaplaincy, whatever, there was a very loud yeah, it's 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 only chaplaincy at Lake Champlain. Right, or whatever. Anyways, there was this uh, very loud thunderclap, which initiated the thunderstorm that would uh, destroy the inside of my car. And as he came to the stage, as pastors got to their feet to applaud a politician. Right, right. There was a standing ovation before he said anything. He even said anything. Just the introduction of his name, there was applause. Oh, no, they put it in the article. Gross. But what in the article? Oh, they did. The dog whistle is in the article. Which, which one? It will happen through pastors and community leaders all across America reclaiming our Judeo-Christian heritage. There it is. Right, right. Reclaiming our Judeo-Christian heritage transforms the United States, not the gospel of Christ. Got it. And, and that's the thing. That phrase right there is the problem. It's not, it's not Jesus. It's not the gospel. It's not ministry. It's reclaiming our heritage. Because to be honest, if that had never been said, I would have been more okay with the whole ordeal. Like, I don't think it was a great plan. But when you, when he said that, I knew exactly what he was saying. Yep. He's, yeah. He's sounding the alarm to those who are, and he's like, because we have to fix it. We have to save America. And how are we going to do it? Reclaiming our Judeo-Christian heritage. And I just want to like be really clear. That's false. The only thing that will save America is Jesus. And Jesus transforming the hearts of those around us. Now, you could say that that's what he means, but that's not what he said. And what he said is traditionally been used to let people know as a dog whistle. You need to vote for me. And... The, the dog whistling was deafening. And I don't, and the thing is, I want to be clear. I, I don't mind Mike Pompeo being there. Um, I do have issues with the fact that he was there at, by himself and ha- he has no prior connection to the Assemblies of God. Yeah. Uh, I made a post about it on Facebook. Someone said uh, that, you know, he was there to raise money. But like, to me, that makes it worse. Um, yeah. If we're willing to bat, like to sell our soul, to power so that we can raise money for chaplaincy like that that's not better to me makes it a bit worse that we're willing to give up our values for money and also 
while I I do I am am happy that uh, Mike Pompeo accepted Christ at West Point. I think that's a great thing. It should be noted that that's not the main job of chaplains. Chaplains are the spiritual advisor to the commander. And as a spiritual advisor to the commander, they're not supposed to proselytize as their job. Mm -hmm. And so chaplains, while they are uh, images of Christ, images of God in their ministry environments, and I think it's extremely important, um, having known chaplains and, and worked with chaplains and all those things, at the same time, we should make it very clear that they're not there to share the gospel on a daily basis. Like, right. They're not St. Francis of assisting this thing, even though he never said that. Um, they're, they're just there doing it. And so, I mean, it's not bad. I didn't hate that Pompeo was there. I hate that. I hate that he said those words. I think that's problematic. And I wish that we had had a more diverse group advocating for chaplaincy. I don't know. I'm kind of upset that he was there. And, and here's, here's why I'm upset that he was there. The reason that I'm upset with it is because it's an implicit endorsement of his candidacy that he's going to be announcing at some point soon, because that's what politicians do. Um, right? So it's an implicit endorsement of him as a candidate. He, it's an implicit endorsement to all of those people who are here seeing all of this diversity and things to say, no, we, we're still the party that we've always been. We're still, you can still hold the same views you've always held and your Republicanism. We're still the denomination for you. That's what it communicated to people. And that message of, of so clearly signaling that you can be very tied to the Republican party and still be here. That's problematic. I don't necessarily disagree, but I also think that while his campaign is definitely going to be announced, it hasn't been announced yet. Right. So I think that's important. I think it is important. I understand that you can disagree with that one. I think it's important. Number two, I wouldn't have had an issue with it if they had brought uh, a, a different form. If like Condoleezza Rice got up there. I would have less of an issue with it if they would have had a second politician from an opposing party. And that would have made it better as well. Yeah. Either one of those things, you could do this better. It, it The thing was, it wasn't as if this was impossible. It just felt like this was borderline unwise. And second, like further, I guess I should say, while Mike Pompeo, when he was director of the secretary or the CIA, started the chaplaincy program, um, that doesn't mean that that's where most of our chaplains are. Why? Why not have SecDef? Right. Like if Robert Gates is up there, who was, you know, a longtime Secretary of Defense, would that have been different? I don't. I don't really want. Because he was set deaf under two different administrations. Sorry, Rachel. I don't really want political figures up on our national fellowship stage, period. And, I mean, yes, it would have been better if they'd had somebody else from an opposing party or had had it multifaceted. Um, But in general, I don't want any politicians up there. Because it it felt super like bait and switchy to have um, this whole thing with Mike Pompeo coming up and then having like JJ Vasquez, his message was wonderful. Um, And he spoke 
to like being inclusive and being united and not being separated by um uh by political divisions but that that and and i don't blame jj at all for this and i don't think that this was oh no it feels like he was used right that they i mean because you had to know that they knew what he was gonna preach like well they did they had his notes yeah so like the fact that this was possibly what we were going to end our week on which was like one of the top five of of my life just having having the time with friends whatever universal studios doing all the fun things and having this time with other ministers um for it to end on that note was really really frustrating and um, the second part of that is it feels like like you said jj's message was used to to communicate that those of us that don't necessarily align with republican values like we're still the ones that have to acquiesce to the party line um and and that's super frustrating um and and it goes back even and it feeds back into even the conversation about resolution too it's that they don't really care to have the voice of the smaller church pastors and they don't really care to have the voice of um less um conservative people in the fellowship that maybe will be tolerated but we won't be welcomed i agree i wasn't trying to interrupt you rachel i was because i wanted to argue with matt directly and not after your thing i know i took a breath because you know sometimes you have to breathe deeper when you're having a uh, intense rant i don't understand that i just breathe all right well i'll see you all later y'all can keep talking about me all right we'll definitely talk about you because you were a poo-poo head and didn't go to general counsel and in two years i'm gonna expect to see you there even if you're not credentialed Thanks for listening to the Barely Safe Podcast. Make sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes, links, and show notes, and merch at barelysafepodcast.com. You can't, let me finish. I thought you, you paused, I thought you were done. It's not like we can see your face to know that you're not done. Right, you can't even see you. Like you're actually yelling at us for not letting you finish. I don't know what you're gonna do. I'm pumping, I'm pumping and trying not to flash you. I'm pretty excited about coming up to the bears. Here we come. There he is. There's one. <gasps> I don't I don't know if it's Brody, but it's a bear. He's like rolling and scratching. There's Brody. Brody's story. Okay, I want to hear this story. February 10th, 2020. So he was bo- estimated time of birth. Favorite food is hazelnuts and dried cranberries. He was found abandoned at an estimated Aww. 2 weeks of age in Ocala National Forest. Oh, Whatever. By our state wildlife agency, he had respiratory problems and trouble nursing, which may be the reason why he was abandoned. Brody was brought to us for long-term care and needed to be fed every four hours around the clock, even in the middle of the night. We weren't sure he was going to survive because he was in such poor health upon arrival, but he pulled through. When Brody was about three months old, we discovered he had a condition similar to hip dysplasia that if left untreated would cause severe pain and arthritis as he aged. Brody became the first bear ever to undergo a surgical procedure to widen the hip sockets. And so far he has responded well to this treatment. So he's not only the first like MRI bear, he's the first well, he's, hip he's dysplasia. He's one of the first MRI bears. He he was not the first MRI bear as we discovered. You guys, we are, currently watching we are with Brody, Brody the bear. Brody the bear is here. He's just chilling, being him bear self. Oh, the bear, Brody the bear. 
Brody, sir, please look this way. Look at how fuzzy. I want to pet it. Well, I'm so happy to go see Brody. We saw Greg the giraffe. We saw Brody the black bear. But I feel invested oh. in Brody because we've been following his story. I yes. know. And now we're here seeing him. Brody, you're so loved. Aww. He's Podcast so with tens of listeners has been talking about Exactly. True. <laughs> and our Patreon supporter. Hey, yeah. support the Barely's Ace podcast because we might bring you to the zoo. There you go. That's true. Hey. We're coming to you live from Brevard Zoo. <laughs> Most of the listeners are Hi. right here right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Maybe a tithe of the listeners. So Brody the Black Bear is doing fine. I do want to know where Cheyenne is. So we learned that Brody was actually... Oh, rolling. That Brody um, actually was a, probably abandoned, and he's only like a year and a half old. I know he looks like smaller than me, actually. Black bears Which, aren't that big. That's why if I was I gonna fight a bear, I would fight a black bear. I want to snuggle him. I want to snuggle. He all, they also make really good sausage, but don't say that too loud. 